Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler, and I'm proud of ourselves right out of the gate because we're going back to back. (laughs) Back to back podcasts as we promise to bring it to the people that listen. Thank you for listening. And we are trucking through this Believe series. Ah, man, I should re- I should not say trucking through because well, yeah, I mean, are a, we trucking through? Well, it's a long haul truck, man. Well, it's a got, long haul truck. You know I mean? Somebody's got to get the goods from Miami to Seattle. Sixty footer, man. It's a it is a long haul truck. Um, I was talking with somebody on staff yesterday, and they were just like quietly begging that we be done with this. Who is that? I, I need names. You need names? A hundred percent. Oh, un- man. Like, who is this that has this opinion <laughs> about what the, like, that we should be done with the book of John? Our communications director, Anna Baldry, Anna. is just, she's like, I'm ready for, like, new imagery, new artwork, new, uh, you know, she just a new me- angle, a new style. Yeah. I want to give it to the people, something fresh. Something fresh. As if the book of John is not fresh. <laughs> as if the word of God. <laughs> She can make new images. She's got that authority. She's ready for just a, a, a new take. She's like, I love John, but yeah. I'm just kind of growing tired of him. Yeah, I'm going to need her to uh, <laughs> suck it up. Yeah, it's the book of John. I know. Crying out loud. Like, if, the, the, here's the thing. Like with the, uh, As far as of the four Gospels, the synoptic being Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's why they publish, uh, like people publishing Bibles, if, if you can only publish something very small, we'll publish the gospel of John uh, as a standalone because yeah. it's, it's everything in there. So it's oh, like it's good. Yeah. It's it's her, uh, so Anna, uh, who probably doesn't listen to this anyway, you know, it's like saying, I'm tired of the Bible. We need a new, a new take, Ugh. a new, there is no, and I know that's not what she means. Well, then she went on to say too, that she's in the middle of a Bible study with a bunch of ladies, um, that they're going through uh, first, second, and third John right now too. And I'm like, it's not my fault. Yeah, she's like, I'm on John overload. <laughs> we get the Book of Revelation. I mean, there's a reason the guy gets like five, you know, five books in the New Testament. Well, we're wrap. We're we're more than wrapping up. I mean, we're in the last three chapters, right? You just we, well, now I kind of want to stretch it if I'm being honest, because well, I promise you, we could go. Well. A lot longer. If we mapped it out, I mean, for all intents and purposes, like this is going to take us through the end of the year um, to to do it right and given, you know, schedules and everything else. But um, but it's been good. It's been very enlightening. It's been very informative. Um, You know, I've been I've been through John before and I've learned I've learned brand new things that I didn't know. It's an amazing book. Uh, Missions Pastor Eric, who teaches at The Circle. Young adults. Uh, yeah, it goes, I actually, I understand this expository teaching thing now. I get it, man. Yeah. I'm, con- I'm converted on the... That's uh, great. And, and part of it is, you know, selfishly, if you're a Bible teacher, you know, if you're in a series, you got to make stuff, you got to create, you got to, you know, who knows what we're going to do next. It's like once a month. But when you're going, th- I mean, I already know what I'm teaching this Sunday. It's John, actually, not this Sunday, but next Sunday, it's John 19. Like, I, I, I know where I'm going. So selfishly, it's it's great. Um, but then, yeah, you know, but it's, you know, you go through the scriptures and the scriptures go through you and, you know, every, every word of God's word is, is inspired. And, you know, we're heading into, obviously we're in the trial of Jesus right now. We're heading to the crucifixion and the burial, the resurrection. Like it's all, all in these last few chapters. Yeah. And for such a time as this, you know, like just end of chapter 18 that you taught on Sunday, you titled your message, truth on trial. It's. The passage that is in this back half of this chapter is Jesus identifying and stating that he is the truth and and them asking, what is truth? Yeah. Which is, to me, is just like this mind-blowing moment of, man, this is a question that's been asked for thousands of years. And here we are again in 2023 and people literally walking around social media, in person, on podcast, asking this one question that comes up all the time. What is truth? Right. I mean, it's the words, 
you know, of the Roman government, what is truth? You know, and it, it, we don't know, but we, it feels like he's mocking. Mm-hmm. It's truth. a little sarcasm in the in the tone, mm-hmm. but it's like um, it's so. There's a friend of mine that's a uh, I can't say names, former pastor, and I don't know what it is with these former pastors who just uh, after they deconstruct their faith, they decide now I've got to be a life coach. You know what I mean? Like I've I've blown my life up, so let me show you how to do that. I don't know. There is a pattern to that. But this guy, who you know, parenthetically was a you know really influential in my life. You know, I I I go back now. I'm like, oh, he was already because he would talk about you know. I mean, it's just truth. You know, what is truth? Is it uh, you know how do how can we know what is true and what is not true? And I'm, I'm thinking, in hindsight, like he was saying that like 15 years ago. And that, you know, look, if you're looking for a red flag from any sort of spiritual leader or pastor or whatever, if they say that line or some version of what is truth or my truth or your truth, which is another version of their, what is truth is just saying, this is my truth and that's your truth. Cause that's saying there is no truth. Um, that's a, that's a pretty big red flag because I, you know, I concede that it, the truth is sometimes hard to get too hard to find because sometimes it gets buried in uh, narrative. But just because it's hard to find doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I mean, that's what we did during the COVID era. It wasn't, it was like, okay, what's true? And then let the chips fall where they may. Let's find out what the truth is and then act accordingly. Yeah. Truth on trial. Have you ever been on trial? Uh, (laughs) Have you ever been on trial or part of a trial? Those records are sealed. (laughs) You're talking civil or criminal? I don't, I mean, either. Yeah, both. Yes. Ooh, juicy. Yeah. I've been involved in litigation. Okay. Where I've been sued. Uh, it was a long time ago. And it turns out that in the court systems of America, you are innocent until proven guilty. True. Uh, but boy, you sure got to pay a lot of money to prove that you're innocent. And this, uh, this happened in 2000, 2001. My company was sued by another company. It was this monster, like this Darth Vader Death Star. Here's how, com- this company was so Death Star that their company is jet black. The building, when you drive by it on Briley Parkway, is this jet black building with black glass windows. I know which one you're talking it's about. It's like the Death Star. And they had this, um, this old sloppy Southern Thomas C. Harvey for the plaintiff, your honor. This, I mean, just <laughs> I the, do declare. The, I know. It was like literally like walking out of my cousin Vinny. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's great. And, uh, and here's the thing. Like we get to the point where uh, we, we're, I don't know, my little small company, we're like $150,000 in legal fees. This is a Friday. We're going to trial on Monday and now they want to settle. And by settle, they mean we disagree, you know, we agree that you go away and we agree you go away. And I'm telling, no, no, our attorney, like, no, 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 we're here. We're going for it. Like, we're going to win this thing. And that was when my, uh, it, it was like, the, the, it was a sad day because I learned that day that my attorney, who, who by the way, gladly took our money, uh, said, look, we can do that and you're going to win and they're going to appeal and you're going to be doing this for the next five years. You're probably another $100,000 in. Carousel. And so, you know, are you willing to bet $100,000 in the next five years of your peace and quiet that you're going to get any get a dime out of this company? I mean, this guy. Anyway, so, yeah, the, the short answer is I have been on trial. And by the way, when you do that, you hear people say things about you that uh, that you did or didn't say, or that you said, but they're taking it out of context. That is one of the most infuriating. Because mm. you know, my white trash self wants to look. You little sawed off. Like, let's go out back. Let's take care of this. Yeah, we'll figure out bike who's telling the truth. You know, That's me anyway. Uh, that was very maddening. And by the way, we'll. Um, you don't see it in the John account of it, but that's the definition of a false witness. Yeah. That's why, you know, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not lie, is not a commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness is the, is the commandment. And a false witness, there's two examples of it in the New Testament. One is in the trial of Stephen in Acts chapter 6 or 7, and then in uh, Jesus' trial. And I think in Mark and Luke, it both accounts this, that they brought forth false witnesses. And the false witness said that G- he said he was going to tear down this temple and rebuild it in three days, which is exactly what he said. But it's not what he meant. It was the right information, wrong implication. So that's 
the very definition of bearing false witness is right information, wrong implication, and that is what our airwaves are filled with. I was going to say, that sounds familiar. You know, oh, the gotcha question of like, but there's no context, no nuance. That's why it's not, it's actually way more deviant than, than a bold-faced lie yeah. is a false witness. It's misinformation and yeah. disinformation. Yeah. Yeah, the actual version, what it, disinformation is, is just bearing false witness. It's yeah. one of the commandments. Don't do that. It'll. And you think about God in the in the wilderness with these uh, Israelites who have not. They've been slaves for four hundred years, and he camps them in the desert and says, "Okay, look, here's how you guys be. Here's how you're free. You don't know how to be free. You've been slaves. Don't kill your neighbor. Don't have sex with their wife or husband." But one of them, you know, of course, for number one, don't have any other gods before me. Do not do that. But one of them is don't bear false witness. Pretty important. If you're going to get 10, I'm going to narrow this down to 10 things. Yeah, it's true. To uh, and, and by the way, Jesus didn't come to do when people say, oh, the law, this, the law, that. I'm like, which one did you not like? The murdering one? Was that the one that you didn't, <laughs> you didn't care for? Um, but that's how you, that's freedom is born. Uh, out of the Ten Commandments, like that's why they were so important and so literally world-altering. There is no other culture from you know the Ottomans to the Turks to Persians. I mean, the Assyrians. None of them had any sort of morality that had any, looked anything like what God gave to the Israelites in in the desert before moving them into the Promised Land. So you were you were getting sued or sued? Yeah, you were getting sued in two thousand one. Is that what you said? Two thousand one. Two thousand. We. Uh, yeah, it was 2000. Yeah. It was about a two-year journey. You know what I was doing in 2001? I was also going to small claims court defending myself the same time. Okay, I need a, I need a mental picture here. Mo in small claims court. 21 years old. Okay. You're wearing a tie. You have to wear a tie in court, right? Oh, man. You know, I probably put one on. It's probably a skinny tie. In my mind, is a skinny tie. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, so so button-down shirt... Stri striped in my mind, <laughs> probably you know, in, tw in 2001, and some docker like pants that probably came from TJ Maxx, <laughs> maybe or Kmart, Kmart, yeah, <laughs> in middle middle of Ohio, man, yeah, I was just faking it. What were you being sued for? Or were you suing? Well, you know, so at that time, I mean, I had just been laid off. 9/11 happened in 2001, right? And I had I was like the first. What does that say? Like the last hired, the first fired, you know, like at part of a marketing firm. And that's when obviously the economy went crazy bad because we had just been attacked. And um, and so marketing dollars, you know, went away and everybody was laying, laying off. So I got laid off. And so I went to go file for unemployment because I'm newly married. I have a six month old at home. And I need to pay the bills. And so when I went to go file unemployment, I got denied because when you file unemployment, they go then check with your employer to verify that, that you were indeed laid off. Well, my employer said that I had, that they had terminated me, that I had been fired, which was not true. And I had paperwork and proof and they, they changed that. Um, designation so that they could avoid unemployment tax thinking that you know uh, I guess I would just go away or not fight it or leave it alone I have no idea but man that made me so mad because they had heard false witness per yeah, se they lied to you they lied to me and they lied to the, the system and so I rolled my sleeves up and defended myself went into small claims court by myself and uh did you drag Jenny in with you? No, just just me. I was like, babe, I'm going to go slay the dragon today. I'll be right back. And yeah, it was me and a judge and my former employer sitting around a table. We get a, so it's like a table. It's not yeah. like Judge Judy. No, it was like this big, long table in this quiet courthouse room. And judge asking me questions, asking them questions. And Did you win? I won. Of course you did. I won. I Stood, stood my ground, but I, that was like the, one of the first times where like the real world kind of started to uh -huh. punch you in the gut. Of like, That's, this it's is pretty young for the real world to hit you, like yeah. 20 years old, 21? 21. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about the court system that we have in the imperfection of 
it is not that the system is broken. It's just that this is, there's broken people in the system. That's why, you know, the idea of God as a judge is important because someone, at the end of the day, somebody, somewhere, hopefully, right, would know what's true and what's not cosmically across the, the spectrum of, of time and space, which is what God, which, you know, when Jesus says, if you're on the side of truth, you're going to listen to my message, which, which means that there, you know, the truth has a side, right? There's, you know, if, if you're on the side of, I just want my peace and quiet, if you're on the side of, I want to maintain my power, if you're on, the, if, if you're on any of those sides, so to speak, you're not going to hear the message of Jesus. It's only if you're on the side of like, I just, whatever is true, that's what we want. And we'll let the chips fall where they may. You will f- always find your way back to Jesus. You know, a, a lot of what we're seeing in our current culture is that somebody not on the side of truth, but they're on the side of, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, in, 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 which sounds so great, but it's in, when it's framed with narcissistic compassion, you know, it's one of the most dangerous ideas on the planet, which is, you know, we're just creating a whole different version of identity politics. And so you're no longer judged on whether what is true or not, as Dr. King, or the content of your character, or, you know, it's you're literally being judged on the, you know, the color of your skin or the, um, the group that you're identified with, not that you identify with personally, but that you are identified with. You shared a story this morning with me before we came on that of this young guy in Colorado who was wearing a, a backpack. And I say young guy, he looks like he walked right off a Fred Savage, you know, remake. He's 12. 12 years old. It's all, it's all over the news. It's all over, I think, I think Wall Street Journal is covering it. Fox News is covering it this morning. Uh, everybody's covering this, this kid. This 12-year-old kid had a, a backpack and uh, he's in a private school in Colorado. And it, it's, it was, he has a don't tread on me patch on the back of his backpack and a teacher uh, or an administrator uh, called him into the her office to basically tell him he had to remove it or be basically suspended <laughs> because his this this particular patch this don't tread on me flag patch was uh, was a disruption. It was it was disruptive to the classroom environment, quote unquote. And this is Colorado. Yeah, you sent it to me. I was going to pull this link. Denver? Is it got to be Denver or Boulder? I think it's I think it's Boulder. This don't, feels don't so quote, Boulder to me. Quote me on that. But uh, yeah, it was it was accused of being a racist flag um, with racist um, history behind it, which is patently false. Now, is this because they believe the American Revolution was racist or because they believe that this flag was actually from the Civil War and not the American Revolution? <laughs> the Civil War and that it... So yeah. they actually think it was the Civil War. It, so you're talking they, about an administrator who's stupid. Yeah. And so that was like the whole point. This is why I got so much traction because essentially this, this young man was giving this administrator a history lesson of actually this is what it was used for and this is when it was used um they came out last yesterday they so it went all the way to the board you know went up went up the flagpole um no pun intended um (laughs) to the school board and the school board you know sided with the student he can wear the patch whoa so back up so the school board you talk about why this is, we talk about why it's important, right, for local government. So this, this school board actually did something logical. Mm. You know, I, maybe, so maybe it's not Boulder. <laughs> like, I can't right. imagine a school board in Boulder doing something. Well, it's a private school, so I, I don't know. I don't know. All I, all I know is he was accused of, of being racist and claiming that the patch was disruptive to the classroom environment, as if, you know, a male student walking in wearing girls clothing or dressing like a cat is, right, is not distracting right yeah <laughs> like that's accepted and encouraged and inclusive or 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 the, the, the one of the points this young man was making was like well there's there's other flags being flown in the classroom or on shirts or backpacks that then there's no issue with those but this don't tread on me flag um, is is unacceptable. So yeah, it, it's it's gotten a lot of traction this this week for obvious reasons. Right. 
Well, what's so it's interesting. And look, I don't have a dog in the hunt when it comes to what flag someone should or shouldn't wear. But it's a question of whether there's some equity in what's allowed in truth. And so it's really interesting to me that here's this young kid who is just standing up for his for his rights instead of rolling over and folding like a napkin. And as far as I can tell, pretty respectfully, I've yeah. watched a couple of the videos you sent yeah. over, like... You know, he's not out in front with a bunch of friends with purple hair, like, you know, <laughs> b- you know burning the place down. He's, you know. Very asking, composed. Yeah, asking for his his rights to be um, uh, honored. And so it's it's interesting, though, that of all the things like the school, that, that this lady is wrong. Like, it's just straight up. Like, it's just not true. What yeah. she's saying is not true. And so she's enforcing something. She was offended by yeah. it. And so, which I remember, golly, my, my daughter Maddie's 26 now, but I remember when she was in fifth grade at uh, Poplar Grove Elementary School, and they were writing about famous people that changed history. There was an assignment, and I, I can't remember if it was Jesus, but it was a biblical character. I want to say it was Jesus that she wanted to write her paper on, and her teacher told her that she was not allowed because of the separation of church and state. What? And now, so here's the thing. No, you know, redneck white trash DT wants to go down there and, you know. Again, you want to take her back to the, to the bike rack and. Pick a fight. Pick a fight. <laughs> right. I've noticed a pattern here. Yeah. But here's the thing, though. This is why it's, I'm saying this because it is important to give somebody the right or the, uh, the latitude to realize, to learn that they weren't, they weren't correct. Is, is it she was wrong or that she's, that she's just intentionally. Yeah. You know. Because it's it's entirely possible, and it turns out she was she was completely misinformed, and Maddie wrote her paper about Jesus, yeah, and it was fine. But it took us having to go, and then by the way, Williamson County, Franklin, Tennessee, twenty year uh, not twenty years ago, probably 15, 18 years ago, we had to literally stand up to to ask for for that, and so the the balance for tr- if you're on the side of truth, is that you don't. We, we don't have to make a scene. We don't have to be, you know. Yeah, that's a good reminder. But at the same time, we don't roll over with it. That's why in Acts 22, when Paul was about to be flogged by the Roman uh, government in Caesarea uh, Maritime, which is, we're going to be there. You're going to, I mean, honestly, I don't want to, I don't want to overbake this or cook it, but that's one of the first stops we make is where this trial took place with, with Paul. Wow. Because uh, it is one of the most well-preserved Roman ruins it's right on the coast. It's, you know, beautiful. But Paul's about to be flogged, and he's like, no, 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 I'm a Roman citizen, and I demand my rights be honored. And that's something that we as Christians, it's not fighting, uh, picking a fight for no reason at all. Because if, if we will do that, it, it literally helps. It clears the way for others. Someone takes one for the team, so to speak. I, I don't know if you remember this. Actually, you wouldn't because it was right before you guys moved to Tennessee. But when we were getting ready to launch Conduit Church in 2010, every church planter in Middle Tennessee knew this. And that what they knew was that Independence High School does not allow churches to meet in Independence High School. With no sense of irony to the name. And literally never thought of that. <laughs> Four, 13 years later, I'm like, oh, that's a really good point. That would have, that would have really cooked, uh, preached well. Duck on it. Independence. Yeah, except that. And, um, and so, uh, and it literally, like every church planter knew that. And it was this perfect location. And so I'm having uh, my wife and I, the earthquake in Haiti has happened. It is February of 2010. Yeah. We are about to have our first gathering on Easter Sunday of 2010. And I still don't know where we're going to meet, um, it, which I should have been a lot more scared than I was. Maybe, I, I don't know. I, I remember thinking it through, but I don't remember being as scared as I should have been. Anyway, we're having dinner with Jay and Pam Seculo. That sounds like I'm name dropping. I guess I am. They're friends. They're friends. And it was at this, uh, it was really fun because they really, uh, they, maybe he still does, but this really cheap Mexican restaurant in Franklin. Like you'd think it's Jay would be eating at this nice, you know, but it was like the poor man's Tito's uh, Mexican restaurant. I mean, he's talking about, he's helping us get supplies into Haiti. He's helping us and hands and feet. He's just, he's being great. And then he says, Hey, where are we going to, where are we going to meet man? When the church was gathering, and I'm thinking, wait, what we like, mm. you know, that was kind of cool. And I said, um, well, look, I want to do Independence High School, but they don't let churches in there. And so, I, and I was, the rest of the sentence, I didn't get to finish because he says, whoa, 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 what? 
And I swear to you that that was the first time that I realized that I'm sitting across the table from the guy that won the Supreme Court case that allows churches to meet in schools. In 1991, Lamb's Chapel versus the state of New York. And and he goes, and I and when I, he hit me, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to get on the news. I don't want to sue anybody. I don't, you know, so that was how I was in 2000. So the white trash fighter was like, oh, I don't want to fight. And Jay helped me when he said, look, Darren, you can't allow just some random rogue school board official to decide which law they will and will not obey. You just can't. Yeah. And so um, he's like, I mean, we, we, I promise you, we don't have to sue anybody. Yeah. Just remind them. We're going to remind them. And so we <laughs> still, it kind of makes me uncomfortable because his version of reminding them was a certified letter sent via, I think, FedEx, but it was, you've definitely had to sign for it, mm-hmm. sent to everyone on the school board. Sent to the principal, uh, sent to the lawyer, who is now the superintendent of Williamson County Schools, Jason Golden. Uh, and it was one of those uh, 20 pages of we demand our clients' rights, uh, quoting Supreme Court cases that Jay won, which was kind of fun. And you know what? He was right. We moved in six weeks later. Um, so good. And, you know, look, uh, at that time, and I won't name any names because these are pastors or friends of mine. I kind of, I, I was pretty excited and I was really bummed about how the other pastors in town were not that excited because I had picked a fight and they didn't want to cause any tr- you know, cause any troubles. Maybe a little in town. Uh, foreshadowing of what was to come on how they handled COVID. Well, in hindsight, yeah. And in hindsight, the realization that, I, you know, I can't believe even then. I'm like, wow, how is it possible that I didn't see even then that we had the importance of local government, local? Because there was one school board member. He's not there anymore. Who voted no? And they said he always voted no on churches meeting it, no matter what it was. So it was never he was he was a one vote, even though it was a flagrant violation of the law. This guy yeah. was making a point that churches can't meet in schools. Um, but that's why the courts were important. It's why that you know even the, you know people can say what they want about Trump, and God knows I have said it as well. But the fact that we have some justices in the uh, courts now, because the diff- look the difference between progressive and conservative is really simple. Conservative, they just simply say that this is what the framers of our Constitution and the law, the Bill of Rights, this is what they meant, and that's what we're going to judge by. Progressives say that that's the best they understood at the time, and now we're going to do something different because we know about, we know more than they knew back then. That's the only real difference between a conservative and a liberal justice, which is how you can see somebody rule so differently because they're not actually ruling on what the law says. They're ruling on what they want the law to say on the progressive side. And so when it comes to the biblical thing, that's the same thing. This is a conservative is not like a, an ideology as much as it is a, hey, we're conserving what is true. This is what was said and we're conserving what was true and is true. And because true is true, it was true 2000 years ago. It'll be true 2000 years from now. So for us in the church world, biblically speaking, that's when we say conservative. That's what we're saying. We're conserving truth. And then when it spills over into our real lives, which is it has in the church world, we can either roll over or we can Acts 22, Paul, you know, there were, there were times where Paul, you know, you see where he didn't say anything uh, or speak up and demand because his right, there were no rights at that point. He did, the culture that he was in, he, the idea of the humans around you having a voice in your government was anathema. That was completely crazy talk. So it wasn't like you could speak into the law. You only had to obey the law. And so when it came to the law, if they were violating it, Paul 100% demanded his rights for it. And we get to do the same. The one major difference we get in our modern era is we not only have a voice in fighting for the rights that are true or not, like this young man in Colorado saying, hey, look, you're actually misapplying the law here. We actually have a chance and a voice to say, we get to decide what gets to be the law. And that's Throughout history, that is a monumental thing that's happened in our culture that is worth fighting for, for the future. I'm really encouraged by this 12-year-old boy. 12 years old. Do we know his name? Um, I don't know if they've released his last name. He looks like a Jimmy. No, it starts with a J. Um, But just the fact that he had the confidence, the knowledge, the understanding to... To stand up, like he knew, he knew, he knew his rights. Like he knew what he was able to do. His name's Jaden. I don't think many adults even know what they 
what they can and can't say or can and can't do and the freedom that they actually do have and the liberties that they hold. But this 12-year-old young man has been uh, been taught appropriately and he was confident like he he was he was respectful he was confident he was composed <laughs> which is probably we can say more th- than some adults uh act when they when they go into some of these battles about their liberties right. and freedoms now can we say this I, I just i'm doing a little searching while you're talking here this is actually you know i'm saying boulder because uh, I remember, look, I remember being on tour. You'd be, we played like Boulder right around the, you know, the corner from the Jean Bonnet house and people literally be on the courthouse steps 25 years ago, just burning down a fat one, just smoking <laughs> weed. This is Colorado Springs. Oh, wow. So this is actually a, a more important thing from, in my mind anyway, because Colorado Springs is Very like the Franklin, Tennessee of yeah. Colorado. Yeah. And in that school, you've got a you know a, 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 an administrator, and let's give her the benefit of the doubt, and she just happened to be wrong about the policy. But it still reminds us whether she was intentionally or unintentionally, she's wrong. It, it's it's actually important to stand up for what's what's true or not, and you know, good for this kid for uh, for doing that in Colorado Springs of all places. And standing up for what's true for uh, for us to be able to gather as a as a young Bible study back in the day to meet in a public school was a catalyst for for what we're doing today. I mean, I, I don't know where y'all would have initially have met had the school not allowed you to. Well, I, I'll tell you exactly what was going to happen. It, this church would be it would be it would be a hundred percent different than what it is right now because the only option we had in front of us was that. Spring Hill High School, which for those living in Middle Tennessee is not actually in Spring Hill. It's like Columbia, but it's like south of uh, Saturn Parkway by about a mile or two. Yeah, it's North Columbia. <laughs> and the way that, you know, it's, and by the way, t- today, 13 years later, that's like the cool part of town. Sure. But I'm telling you, 13 years ago, it would have been, we would have probably died on the launch pad at, yeah. at Spring Hill High School. I had no relationships in that part of town. Nobody that was part of that church in, in that in those days was coming from that part of town. And you know, and to this day, Franklin people, the people on this side of town, you know, it is every city has like the, these incongruent. But Franklin people do not go to; they don't like going to Columbia, and maybe for farmers market now or whatever. I, I live in Franklin. I don't. I don't drive south of eight forty anymore. <laughs> right? It's, you feel like, oh my gosh, it's all the way out there. Like I got to get my passport updated to right? go that far south. So think about that. Like that. Think about that. Thirteen years ago, <laughs> like people wrinkled their nose at it. But that was literally there. There. You know, if we were going to go to a school, that was the only school. And the way it was, the way it was turning out was, we were going to have to meet on a Saturday night, uh, not on a Sunday morning. So again, another death blow to a church in in Middle Tennessee. And, you know, I, I'm so thankful for, I'm just thankful for the sovereignty of God because, I mean, what are the chances of a washed up rock and roll manager having a family friend that, you know, turned out to be the guy that won the Supreme Court case that allows churches to meet in schools? Pretty wild. It just happened to, and, and dumb enough to have not even thought of that. But God was smart enough to say, you know, th- this is matters. And I, I still remember Jay in the, the first Sunday, there's probably, I don't know, 150 people, I don't know if you remember this, but Jay was in the back with his Blackberry and sent a picture to the folks at Lamb's Chapel in New York, the pastor up there saying, man, still 20 some years later. Wow. This still matters. Um, Yeah. It echoes, right? Like those decisions that were made back in the early nineties to pursue um, the right to assemble back then reverberated, you know, 10, 15 years later that allowed us to do what, what we were doing. Yeah. And the fact is, is that the the school here, if they want to change the law, they're welcome to change it, but they don't just get to arbitrarily decide that we're not going to honor it because you're a church. Because I had the email from um, Dr. Campbell, who uh, very well known would later go on to be fired for having one or two DUIs to, uh, in the community. God bless him wherever he ended up. But uh you know, I had the email from him and it was like, oh, we, you know, thank you for your, you know, request, I'm sure you whatever, but we, uh, we don't have, we don't allow churches in this thing. So all I had to do was forward that to Jay and, you know, the, was he happy? Nah. Was he pleased that we were there? hundred percent not. No, Did he, he ever speak <laughs> to me again? No. Yeah, like he, we're all, we're like literally throwing ourselves at trying to help the school and the teachers and in his arrogance and pride would not even respond to us. 
on the other hand, he left us alone. Like we were completely left to our own devices, which is fine. I didn't want anybody bothering us anyway. But what it did was allow the, the Williamson County School Board to be reminded, just like this, this school board at this school in Colorado Springs, that there are laws and there are rules, and that if the, uh, that as a Christian, it is not a bad thing, it is not sinful for me to ask for the people that are enforcing the rules and the laws to enforce them the way they were written and intended. And if they choose not to, that's why we have a court system so that someone can sit at a table with young Mo and his little, you know, skinny tie and say, hey, here's this disagreement. Here's the, the ruling for what is true and what is not true. It's also, we learned something over this past three years, the difference between, you know, laws and mandates and requirements. Yeah. And like those aren't laws. <laughs> we got, we got really confused like our culture got really confused on what those terms mean uh, over the past three years. Yeah. There's some confusion out there still with some folks, don't you think? Mm-hmm. I've noticed, um, and I don't know, I, I hope I'm not going to eat my words because I keep thinking uh, there's no way they're going to come back to putting down mask mandates or vaccine mandates. And then, uh, you know, our beloved president just this week is, you know, asking for funding for a new vaccine uh and, and actually, which we talked about last week I know, and his words were i'm sure i don't know if it was on, i'm sure it could not have been on script but it was one that works like, unbelievable he said it out loud i'm like so you know that's that's your headline like if washington post there's your headline don't bury the lead here baby like that's wow one that works which means the one for three years that people lost their jobs over didn't work which Again, let the chips fall where they may. If it worked, I'll, I'll, you know, let's say this. If, if this vaccine worked, it would have been very tricky to make a case legally, not biblically, morally, but legally, that, um, that, that you shouldn't, you know, whatever, that they couldn't enforce it. Um, because it, if it worked, you know, I, I personally would, I, you know, I think it easily could be making a case that, um, that still it didn't matter, but be, be that as it may, if it worked. But that's what made it so insane was that there was this vaccine that within two months, they, it, but they already knew it didn't work before. Um, but enforcing it as a mandate for something that didn't work was just insanity. So to hear him say that out loud, and I'm sure he's going to blame it on the variant or, or whatever, but the fact of the matter is, is that it it never protected transmission. It never protected you getting from getting sick, and it didn't protect you from dying. That's also you know, completely false. So, so the fact that he finally said it out loud is like, well, I guess somebody's saying it. And the CDC this week said that um, if you had the vaccine, that you are more prevalent to um, contract the new variant right now. That's going around. Say that again. Say that again. So the CDC came out this week and said this new variant that's flying around, those with the COVID vaccine are more likely to have to contract the variant they, to get sick. They, that's what I thought you said. They they said that out loud? Yeah. Yeah. They said that this week. You know, it's just another uh, round of... Here we go again. But hey, you know what? Keep Look, your head on a swivel. But they're saying it true. So let's give them credit. I guess where credit is due. They're at least you know they're they're probably trying to sell a new vaccine or whatever. But no doubt about it. But the fact is, at least they said what was true. Which yeah. you know, going back to truth on trial. I mean, that's at the core of it all. Uh, is just is just simply that. Like this is a world. I mean, Jesus called Satan the father of lies. And. When you go through whether whatever ancient history, including Rome, I might add, they enforced truth, or, or let me phrase it, they they enforced their version of truth and narrative with power, with swords, with, which is probably why Pilate was a little bit like, this is your king, this is truth. Let me tell you what truth is. Truth is these legions of soldiers. I I'll tell you what's true and what's not true and enforce it with power and with swords. It's what the Pharisees were, the, the, the Jewish leaders were, hey, this is what's true and we'll enforce it with our religion and you ostracizing you and stoning you and torturing, you know, whatever. And here's Jesus just saying, no, here's what's true and I'll prove it by dying for 
truth, not tr- making you die for truth, but I'll die for the truth. I like that you said father of lies because you shed some light on something this weekend that is really interesting. It, that he was the father of truth, father coming from uh, the name Barabbas. Yeah. Go into that a little bit. Barabbas, Barabbas, Bar-Abba. Yeah, so you and I were having a, a conversation about name etymology before we... I'm fascinated by surname etymology, yeah. by the way. It's a little right? nerdy thing. <laughs> yeah, and I, like, I didn't know that... You said what, Mc, the Mick, like so McDonald Mick is just son of? Yeah, so like if you, you know, so coming from the scripture, right, Bar-Abba or Bar-Jonah yeah. in scripture, if you hear Bar, B-A-R, that just means son of. Yeah. The same is true for like um, McDonald or McKinley or anything, yeah. any last I name that's no idea that was it. preferenced with Mick means son of, Yeah, which is like the opposite of, you know, Johnson is son of John yeah. or, or Smithsonian son of Smith. It, so what would Tyler be? Nothing. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the only thing I know about the etymology of my name is it had something to do with we did, we made tiles or put tiles in places. Yeah. yeah. I, which is probably just made up because it rhymed with it or whatever. I don't know. But but in that etymology of in the Hebrew language, so Barabbas was a Jewish guy, uh, Hebrew. So the name is Hebrew. He wasn't just... John records that he was a thief, but Luke, the other synoptic gospels also record that he was a famous um, insurrectionist. Like he was, I don't know if he was a zealot, but it would have been the same kind of, it was like an actual insurrectionist, not like the, what we've seen in our country. Towards the Roman government? Mm -hmm. Overthrowing Rome. Yeah. Which is what the Jewish leaders had assumed the Messiah would be, would be coming with a sword to overthrow the Roman occupation because by now, in fact, the, the very reason that they said that they were in front of Pilate was that when Rome took over, so, so Rome would conquer a place, but they would allow the locals to keep, maintain their religion or their customs. It was, one of, it, was very, it was one of the things they did that was kind of revolutionary. To, you know, so they would conquer with war, but also then conquer with peace. So you guys can keep your thing as long as you guys don't screw around, you keep paying our t- your taxes and... It's, I mean, literally the temple at that point was actually built by Herod. It was actually financed through, you know, Roman um, uh, government. And so uh, Barabbas wasn't just some no-name, you know, no-rent thief. There was a reason why mm. Pilate would have rolled him out instead. Because there's, by the way, remember two other thieves that day. Why did he roll out Barabbas? You know, could have rolled out any one of those guys that were going to be crucified. But he rolls out Barabbas. Do you want him? Or do you want Jesus? But, but back to your original question, Bar Abba is basically means son of the father is what it means. Bar Abba. Abba, we all know, daddy, right? Son of the yeah, father. Yeah. And Matthew 22, no, no, 27, 27. It's one of the Matthews. I think it's 27. Tells us that his name, first name was Jesus. That Barabbas, his real birth name, or his, his name, his birth name was, was Jesus, Jesus. Barabbas. That's amazing. Jesus, son of the father. So you've got Jesus, son of the father, the revolutionary with a sword in his hand next to Jesus, son of the father, who was going to have a sword shoved in his side. Mm, that'll preach, which it actually did on Sunday. It turns out it did, right? <laughs> actually, I wish I'd had that line on Sunday. Oh. Gone it. If you made it this far, good work. Uh, <laughs> but that's the difference, right? Was we're going to conquer, we're going to f- enforce our truth by force or let the truth, right? I'll die for the truth instead of making you die for my truth. And so Jesus, you know, took his place. And that's part of the, even the substitutionary atonement is literally in that moment that there was a cross that had been prepared that was, that Barabbas should have been on. It was his cross. And because Jesus died on that cross, Barabbas went free. And it's the substitutionary atonement for you, for me, right? Which is because Jesus died on that cross I go free because the truth was I'm sinful. I'm separated from God. I can't, in, I, you know, in, in the holiness of God, my life cannot sustain or stand in the purity of God. So something had to happen. Somebody had to pay for my stuff and Jesus, that's what was true. And Jesus said, I'll do it because I'm a sinless 
person. He's the only one that could have done it. Is there any record of what became of Barabbas through Josephus's writings or any history? I couldn't find anything credible. Because that would be fascinating to know. What went on to him, yeah. Yeah, what, how yeah. he processed what, what yeah. had happened. Yeah, I mean, there's no, nothing credible. Most likely was he would have been rearrested and crucified anyway. <laughs> yeah, later. Because he was a rebel. Like, you know, yeah. did he, you know, did he escape to North Africa and hide out for the, I mean, nobody knows. But if he was a real revolutionary, um, which is why, I mean, Pilate wouldn't have been afraid of him because all we got to do is rearrest him and, and put him down. You know, they, they viewed these guys as like gnats that just had sure. to be swatted. And which is why when it came to Jesus, I mean, he's looking at this, you know, these guys have brought Jesus in front of him and they, they accuse him of these crime, whatever. And, but actually, let me rephrase it. They don't accuse him of anything other than saying he is, he is a uh, blasphemer or whatever. Yeah. And Pilate asks, what has he done? Yeah. What have you done? I love that when he asks that. Like, so what has he done again? Yeah. Like, what is he here for? Exactly. Yeah. And their response, well, we wouldn't have brought him if he didn't do something wrong. So just trust us. He did something wrong. Yeah. And so he goes to Jesus and, okay, well, so you tell me what you've done. Like, somebody just tell me what crimes this guy has committed. And the, and the reason they couldn't, because he didn't. And that's, again, false witness. He's like a, a tactic that still exists to this day is, well, just trust us that he did something wrong. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't tell you that he did something wrong, you know, if he didn't. So just trust us. Man, it also sounds like current media, mainstream media oh. right now. <laughs> it's 100% because what, they, the same what, script. what happens and what we have to be careful that we don't play the same game. Yeah is instead of talking about what's true, they just start saying slanderous names. So, you know, for us, the stuff we're talking about right now, those who would disagree with us, instead of disagreeing with us on the merits of what we're saying, we'll say, well, they're just a Christian nationalist. Like they'll throw a name at it. Or sure. That becomes pejorative. Um, you know, you're a MAGA, you're a this, you're a that. And it's a pejorative to try to insult, to try to get everybody to, you know, because to, to, so, I don't have to argue with you on the merits anymore. And 100% that's what Jesus was falsely accused and then used, you know, given names that were uh, slanderous and pejorative for him to bait Pilate into crucifying him. You referenced a, a Rod Dreher quote, which kind of references um, the live not by lies, you know, book uh, statement from Alexander Solzhenitsyn from the mid-70s. There's so much to learn from this. And I know we've talked about Live Not By Lies multiple times, but again, for such a time as this, it's all coming full circle and applicable to today. But I wanted to read this quote. I think you got to in each I service. I didn't actually get to the Dreyer quote. Oh, I didn't. only got to the Solzhenitsyn, but it's, mm. worth, it's worth quoting from the Dreyer. This is uh, Rod Dreher writing uh, in his book, Live Not By Lies, a manual for Christian dissidents, mm -hmm. um, which says this. And this is the thing about soft total. Oh, here it goes. Can you say it? It's me, such a long word. Let me say it for you. My, my brain is so scrambled. I want you to say it now. I really want you to say that. I want you to see if oh, it's going to sound like your wife saying it. <laughs> Totalitarianism? <laughs> Totalitarianism. Oh, you emphasis on the wrong syllable. Oh, I did it wrong. Totalitarianism. <laughs> you were, that was a total Jenny, man. It was. My wife's influencing it's me. It's a totalitarianism. I love it. <laughs> this is the thing about it. It seduces those, even Christians, who have lost the capacity to love enduringly for better or for worse. They think love, but they mere, but they merely desire. Love that. It's a difference. They think love, but they merely desire. They think follow Jesus, but in fact, they merely admire him. Each of us thinks we wouldn't be like that. But if we have accepted the lie of our therapeutic culture, which tells us that personal happiness is the greatest good of all, then we will surrender at the first sign of trouble. And man, has that played out in the past five years. Parenthetically, that book was in process, mostly finished by March of 2020. Which is wild. A hundred percent. So they actually rushed to finish to get it released. I think it released by July of 2020. Yeah. And I was hesitant because 
Dreyer's, the first book I was aware of, The Benedict Option, was, by the way, he, he completely identified the problem of the culture, but the Benedict Option, speaking specifically of the Benedictine monks who basically retreated in Europe, he, he and by the way, makes a compelling case for why that's a good thing. Um, it was hard to argue with the idea that maybe we need to hide out until this all blows over. Um, ex- I say it's hard, you know, hard to make a case except the Bible, um, except for that part. And that we, we can't, I, I, I can't see a circumstance under which us um, hiding out for a couple hundred years is, is going to be good for culture. But that's, that's the Dark Ages. That's what he's referencing. Um, so I was a little hesitant. But man, I mean, I, I literally one chapter in on Live Not By Lies, and I'm like, I am hooked. This guy, and it, the, the premise, if you haven't read it, I'm sure be surprised if you haven't. He's just been interviewed, spent just a few years interviewing survivors, uh, Eastern Bloc Europe of uh, communism and how those that had survived, what they did. And he, he references Solzhenitsyn a lot, which is where the title Live Not By Lies comes from. But his the way that he was able to put that in words and that quote coming directly from that book was sobering. And I don't know, had I have read it in without the pandemic era. Yeah, that's true. If I would have fully grasped that 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 was what was happening in our culture. But the thing that the pandemic era, not just the policies of that era, but the, the, the rest of the policies, the gender ideology, all that stuff that just came literally, it's like somebody cracked open a sewage pipe and it just blasted all over us. Like that's been there the whole time. And it's it's human history in a nutshell. Like it's uh, he, he takes the title from this is a total nerd thing, but Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a Soviet dissident, f- famous in his time. I'm barely old enough because 1974 was when he was arrested, and I was three, so clearly I don't remember that. But by the mid '80s. I mean, I was a weird kid. I was reading Ayn Rand, uh, like First and Second Chronicles, and Solzhenitsyn. I, I, <laughs> that I, I is abnormal. Yeah, it's not. It isn't normal. And I didn't. I mean, I kind of knew it was weird. But I also had a mullet and earring, so I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do with me, even. So anyway, um, but uh, that. So he takes the title from this essay. So he Solzhenitsyn releases this essay called "Live Not by Lies." It was February twelfth of nineteen seventy four. And when he releases it, it wasn't like you could publish it on the internet, you know. Uh, so it was written. He was arrested, uh, imprisoned, tortured, and then ultimately exiled to the West. And if you have a, a, a remote nerd bone in your body, it's readily available on the internet, the actual text of it. It's not that long. The essay is not long at all. Yeah. But that's where the, the idea came from, uh, even, well, obviously even the title of the book. And then he comes, basically what he did, uh, Dreyer did, was create a, here's what Solzhenitsyn did, and this is why he calls it a manual for Christian dissidents, because it, it gives us a playbook for how, A, for what's already happening in our country and how to respond to it with the hopes that we can prevent what happened in Eastern Europe. Totalitarianism. It's pretty good. I got it. You got it. it I just needed a second. <laughs> There's a lot of letters in that word. <laughs> It's syllables. <laughs> it's like, I really wanted to save you. Because, look, I've done, we all do that, right? I mean, it's not like something unique to you. You see a word, like, I know that word. Yeah, I just but, got... But then I thought, this is going to be great content. I got to let Mo say that. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> You're welcome. But the fact that that the truth is on trial is is just not a foreign concept right now. It's, this is We are faced with this almost daily in some capacity, in some more... Um, some more uh, impactful than others. I mean, there's there's these different levels of truth that we're kind of faced with in, in culture and in conversation, even with family. Um, obviously, all the way up, you know, school boards and, and even our own uh, local laws and state laws. I mean, there's there's things that's being discussed right now um, uh, in terms of our rights and liberties uh, pertaining to the Second Amendment, even our own state. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the, we. The truth on trial is a pro- prominent topic pretty much everywhere you go on a daily basis. And so as, as believers and as, as Christians and those that uh, are faithful to the truth of the scriptures, how do we respond? How do we react 
And um, what is what is our goal when faced with these with these conversations? And it has to. I mean, we just have to admit that there's a there's a prize for it. It's one of the things that you know Solzhenitsyn said it, um, in his original essay, which was it's not going to be an easy path, uh, but it's the easiest one of those that lie before us. So in other words, this is not it. There are no great choices here. But this is the only choice, and the and the line that just reverberates throughout history is it's 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 not an easy choice for the body because there are consequences, but it's the only one for the soul. And that's what what I'm afraid that brothers and sisters, friends of mine, have done, is made the choice that was easiest for their body because it was easiest for their anxiety, easiest for their their job, their career, whatever. But it's going to crush their soul in the end because it required them. To live, to, it requires you to live as if a lie is true. When you see churches, um, a, a friend of mine who works in the entertainment business, he just shared a photo with, uh, oh, you know what, I don't care. Her name's Sarah Groves. I actually never worked with Sarah. Uh, C-level, you know, Christian music artist, real thoughtful, you know, and but I was looking at the church that they're standing in front of and, and you go to the church, I went to the church website and it's this whole literally page on uh, God created you this way for your gender and your identity and your sexuality and we were, we you know, we honor and celebrate all of that. I'm thinking, based on what? Because it's actually not honoring to someone to tell a child, right, that you, you're, you're a boy, that you could be a girl. That's not kind at all to them. Now it makes them popular in you know in 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 uh, Western culture. It gives you you know some sense of power. Again, uh, I think it's Jordan Peterson's phrase, narcissistic compassion. You know, because it sounds like compassion, but it's narcissism at the end of the day that that I have suddenly figured out something that literally billions of humans around the world can't figure out, but I've figured out that a man can be a woman. That that's narcissism at the end of the day. That's not kindness. So to sort of literally that it's easy for your body. But at the end of the day, it's, it's going to crush the souls of, of children and ultimately crush their own soul. And, you know, what, what uh, gain the whole world, right, and lose your soul uh, is, is Jesus' way of, of wording it. And I know this, you know, as a church family, you know, someone asked me what, what was I like pre-COVID. Um, it was just yesterday, actually. And I had to, it took a minute because I'm like, I don't know. I thought I was the same guy. But then I realized I'm not the same guy because I, I it's like I saw, uh, I saw the world for what it really is. And not just because of Dr. Fauci. That didn't help by any means. But I suddenly, I, my eyes were just wide open. And I thought my eyes were open before. Like I was by no means uh, a liberal, by no means a, con- whatever. I just, but I see it now. And how could we be quiet with our kids here? You know, and we've lost, we've lost church folks from that. They, you know, God bless them. I wish we, I wish them well. I, I, I don't know if they wish me well, but I sleep really good at night. Yeah. Um, knowing that if, if, if nothing else, that this has been good for my soul. And it's good for my soul to be surrounded by others, by the way, that are on the same page of truth. That feels good as well. So. You know, it's, it's, it's disappointing to look at the world around us, but at the same time, man, I've met some amazing and courageous people, uh, and th- which is super inspiring. Like I'm not tired. I'm not, I don't understand when I hear other pastors talk about how exhausting this whole season is. I, I continue to be animated and invigorated. And I, I, I think some of that at least is that because at least I know we're going as best we know we're on the side of truth. We'll try to get this link up if, if we get a chance, but you know you're you're doing an interview with Rod Dreher this evening. Um, uh, it got postponed to next week. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. Well, coming soon, in the next couple of weeks, um, you're, you're going to be sharing. Yeah. Um, I literally just got the email before we went live. Oh, really? Yeah, that's great. Doing doing a, a little interview with um, some guys on his team and the Live, by Not, Live Not My Lies crew and Rod Dreher and kind of talking through basically what we're talking about today. Yeah. Um, and the impact for local churches and communities on how we respond. Yeah, they're, they're actually, which I'm giddy about because, look, we're in a world right now where more people are consuming media in video form than they are in, in written form. So, yeah, there's a documentary Angel Studios is working on with RJ on Live Not By Lies. They're going to go, they're going to interview, they're going to get, which is great. 
these survivors are aging rapidly. It's true. There are fewer of them today than there were. So it's exciting. Yeah. And I'm, I'm told that Jordan Peterson is going to make a cameo on this, uh, on this show. Now, I'm not going to meet him or nothing, but it's great. As my son says, yeah, but that's good for your clout, Dad. You can, you can <laughs> say you were on the same show as Jordan Peterson. That's oh, something. that's great. Did he say clout? What, was it clout? Is that a thing? Is that? Yeah. Okay. Young Caleb. Our, our young Caleb is getting Caleb like, is my, yeah, my young person translator is telling me he has clout. <laughs> we, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to get that link out once once it is up and available. And uh, yeah, the, the conversation continues. And we we appreciate the encouragement that we get from you guys throughout the week that um, that these podcasts are, are helping you navigate some of these conversations and, and things that are coming up. Um, we're just thrilled that you take the time to listen. We're thrilled that you take the time to join us on Sundays. If you haven't, maybe, uh, maybe you're out of state. Um, you want to come swing by sometime. We would love to have you uh, here at Conduit on a Sunday as well. Any information that you would possibly want to know about what we're doing here, conduitchurch.com as well as conduitmission.org would love for you to learn more about what we're doing. Thanks for joining.